Thank you, Rob. That was um, that was really good. I, I, you know, it was just so. I did wonder where you were going with it at the, you know, when you started, but it's, it just brought it back, and it was so simple and profound. So, so thank you for that. Right, we're going to um, carry on our study with Mark, um, and I'm going to. Uh, last week I did part one. Who is this man? So this week we're going to carry on, and it's we'll call it part two if you want. So it's Mark one twenty one to forty five. Have I got to put this? It's already on. Okay. Okay, so, uh, verse 21. Then Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum and he immediately started teaching on the Sabbath day in the synagogue. The people were awestruck by his teaching because he taught in a way that demonstrated God's authority, which was quite unlike the religious scholars. Suddenly during the meeting, a demon-possessed man screamed out, Hey, leave us alone, Jesus the Victorious. I know who you are. You're God's Holy One and you've come to destroy us. Jesus rebuked him saying, Silence, you are bound. Come out of him. The, body's, the man's body shook violently in spasms and the demon hurled him to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek. The crowd was awestruck and kept saying among themselves, What is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word he commands demons to come out and they obey him. So the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout every community in Galilee. Now as soon as they left the meeting, they went straight to Simon and Andrew's house, along with Jacob and John. Simon's mother-in-law was bedridden, sick with a high fever. So the first thing they did was to tell Jesus about her. He walked up to her bedside, gently took her hand and raised her up. Her fever disappeared and she began to serve them. Later in the day, just after the Sabbath ended at sunset... The people kept bringing to Jesus all who were sick and tormented by demons until the whole village was crowded around the house. Jesus healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. But he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew who he really was. The next morning, Jesus got up long before daylight, left the house while it was still dark and made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. Later, Simon and his friends searched for him And when they finally tracked him down, they told him, everyone is looking for you. They want you. Jesus replied, we have to go to the surrounding villages so that I can share my message with the people there, for that is my mission. So he went throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the Jewish synagogues and casting out demons. On one occasion, a leper came and threw himself down in front of Jesus, pleading for his healing, saying, you have the power to heal me right now if only you really want to. Being deeply moved with tender compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the skin of the leper and told him, of course I want you to be healed, so now be cleansed. Instantly, his leprous sores completely disappeared and his skin became smooth. Jesus sent him away with a very stern warning saying, don't say anything to anyone about what just happened, but go find a priest and show him that you've been healed. Then bring the offering that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a living testimony to everyone. But no sooner did the man leave than he began to proclaim his healing publicly and tell the story everywhere. Jesus' growing fame prevented him from entering the villages openly, which forced him to remain in isolated places. Even so, a steady stream of people flocked to him from everywhere. And so last week we looked at Jesus' identity, Jesus' testing and preparation, 
uh, and Jesus following. And so we get to uh, the next bit of the talk, which is looking at Jesus' authority. So as we see in the passage, uh, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. And it says in verse 22... Uh, oh, there we are. Oh, sorry. Take it back. The people were awestruck by his teaching because he taught in a way that demonstrated God's authority, which was quite unlike the religious scholars. And then suddenly, all, all of a sudden, a demon manifests itself in the midst of him. It had possessed a man, and in this, uh, in while Jesus was speaking, this demon manifested. And there are many demon-possessed men and women on the earth today. Make no bounds about it. Why do you think there is so much evil about? And we look on our TV screens every day and we just think, how, how on earth can someone do something like that? Every day there is something to question what is, what, you know, is in the minds of people when they do these things. And Satan is working as hard today as he was then to possess the hearts and the minds and some bodies of men and women. And there's a lot of celebrities and, um, you know, pop stars who have sold their souls to the devil in exchange for worldwide fame and success. And we heard John Cramphorn's testimony a few weeks ago about how the devil had presented himself in front of John and, you know, offered him the same worldwide fame and success if he would just sell his soul. But thankfully, God rescued John. Um, and he's now, you know, as we know, he's now, uh, you know, uh, filled with fire and preaching the gospel. So we know that the devil is alive and well on planet Earth today. But notice two things that the passage says. One Jesus taught in a way that, uh, in a way that demonstrated God's authority, which was quite unlike the religious authorities. And two, the demons were frightened of him because they knew who he was, and they knew he could destroy them. And verse thirty-four of the passage that we read confirms this. Mark twenty-eight nineteen, which we read last week, is part of the you know the um, the Great Commission. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, blah, blah, blah. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus gave his authority before he left earth. He gave his authority, which was, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. And he gave it to his disciples. And every time someone has become a Christian over the years and accepted Jesus, because Jesus lives within each one of us, then we carry his authority with us. And we can cast out demons and we can heal the sick and, you know, raise the dead. Jesus lives in us and it is he who has authority as he lives in us and works through us. And Galatians 2.20, you know, again, it's become one of the most favourite of my Advice uh, Bible verses to me. It says, "My old identity has been co-crucified with Christ and no longer live, lives. I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live." Is what another version says. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the Anointed One lives His life through me. We live in union 
as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. Philippians 1.21 For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For to me, to live is Christ. Christ dwells within each one of us. And for, for Paul, he said, for me to live is Christ. There is nothing else on the earth that I desire other than for Christ to work through me. And Charles Spurgeon once said of the devil, the dog of hell knows the dread name which makes him lie down. We must confront him with the authority and especially with the atonement of the Lamb of God. And so um, the devil knows whether we know what authority we hold. Okay, so I'm just going to give you a couple of examples. Another story, uh, and I've told this before, is of A.A. Allen, who was an evangelist in the 50s, 60s, I don't, I don't know when he, he was. But he was, he was about to do this crusade, and he was mentoring a guy called R.W. Shambok. And about an hour before the meeting started, this woman came in and started manifesting demons. And so A.A. Allen thought this was great. I'll, I'll, I'll use this as a teaching opportunity for this R.W. Shambok. So he said to the guy, go and, go and, sort, you know, go and pray with that woman, get rid of the, the demons, and I'll be back in a minute. Uh, or half an hour. So half an hour later, A.I. Allen comes back into the, into the room and he sees R.W. Shambach with this woman still manifesting. And he's going, what? And R.W. Shambach's going, I have no idea what to do. I don't know what to do. Help me, help me. So A.I. Allen strides over to this woman, says to her, Satan, this is A.I. Allen. And Satan immediately just goes because he knew that A.I. Allen knew his authority in Christ. And this is what Jesus gave us. Jesus lives within us. He has every authority in heaven and earth. He cast out demons. And so, therefore, that means that we can deal with the devil and not be scared. Now, I am terrified of horror films. I don't watch them. I was watching one the other day on Netflix, which I didn't know was a, was a series. And, you know, it was a bit sinister, but, you know, you kind of think, oh, it's intriguing. Until this guy turns out to be a vampire. And I'm like, what? So I just stopped watching it because it was horrible. So I'm scared of horror films, but I'm not scared of the devil when I when I, when I come across him, because he, you know, he knows that I, I I know you know I know who I am in Christ. I know the authority that I've got in Christ, and he knows that I know. And so he, you know, we have the authority, and we just need to step into this authority that we have. The demons. We'll fear Jesus in us if we know who it is that we carry and just let him do his work through us. And the demonised man in the passage was apparently comfortable in the presence of the religious teachers because their teaching emphasised keeping the outward laws. It was works of mentality. So that doesn't, that doesn't ruffle the, 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 the devil because, you know, it's just outward works. But when Jesus stepped into the room, the demons spoke out because they were scared of the power of Jesus. They knew who he was. You see, Jesus' uh, teaching emphasised obedience to God from the heart. And that is bad news for the demonic realm. Because if you are, are absolutely committed to God, to being obedient to God, then the devil can't touch you. And they know it. And so if we do pledge to follow Jesus and obey God, then the whole of hell will tremble 
when we get out of bed. And that's not, you know, that's said quite jokingly, but it is the truth. The devils cannot touch us if we know who we are in Christ and we know our authority. And as we looked at last week, we need to pledge ourselves to Jesus um, and the work of his kingdom because his work, his word and his ways are as relevant today as when they walked, as when he walked on the earth. And, you know, even talking to people this week, uh, you know, Mike and we had a conversation with Joel last week. You know, people are of this mentality. Well, this is what I believe. And don't tell me what to do. Um, and so, you know, and, and when, when I came back on, on I was the Thursday night, I spoke to, to Mike. And I was, I was, I was upset. We'd had, we'd had a, a long conversation on the car park. And, you know, I just thought, oh, dear, how, how, how in this day and age do we reach people? Um, you know, and, uh, and I just, I just, and I've thought it a long time. We need to show the power of God, we need to work miracles, we need to be casting out demons, because that's, you know, that's what Jesus did, and the, te- and the people listened to, to him, and then I was, and I never do this, I never ever switch God TV on, on an evening, I don't really watch God TV, not because I don't want to, we support them as a ministry, I just don't have time to watch much, you know, uh, at the moment, and for, but for some reason, I, I clicked on God TV, and it was an interview that Cheyenne was doing with Mario Murillo, and within about two minutes, Cheyenne said the words, we just need to see the power of God in this culture. To reach this culture, we need to be casting out demons and healings. And I thought, well, if that isn't confirmation of what I was thinking, I don't know what is. And so we need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit because that's where the power is. That's what Jesus, uh, he came out, last, we looked at it last week, he came up out of being baptised and the Holy Spirit came upon him. And he was then, uh, you know, you, you know, very, very powerful. And that's what we need to be done to be uh, baptised in the Holy Spirit. And so what happened as a result of that, uh, as Jesus speaking to him, he says, the man's body shook violently in spasms and the demon hurled him to the floor until it finally came out of him with a def- deafening shriek. To see a manifestation uh, is not pleasant, you know, it's, you know it, it, and if you've never seen one, uh, you know, it's it's not it's not a pleasant thing to see. The crowd was awestruck and kept saying to them among themselves, "What is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word, he commands demons to come out of him, and they obey him." So the reports about Jesus spread like wildfire throughout every community in Galilee. When Jesus is in the room, the demons have to flee. And I have been in meetings when the worship has been so powerful, the demons in people are screaming and coming out of them. And that is the power that we, in Jesus, the power of Jesus. And when we worship him together, it becomes so, so very powerful because our, our, our um, focus is on him, the angelic as was in this the room this morning, it's all you know. The demons cannot stand in the in the in the presence of Jesus. And so, do you know, or do I know, the authority that we hold as a child of God this morning? So next, we'll look at Jesus' prayer life. It says in verse thirty-five. The next morning, Jesus got up long before daylight, left the house while it was still dark. And made his way to a secluded place to give himself to prayer. And I mean, there's a sermon in itself in that verse, but I haven't got time to go into all of that. So we'll just look at uh, just part of it. And again, 
If Jesus needed a powerful prayer life, then so do we. You know, Jesus got up early in the morning and he went to give himself to prayer. John 5 verse 19, it says, Jesus gave him this, gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So how did Jesus know what the father was doing? He went and spent time with him. He went up onto the mountain or wherever he went to spend time with him. How do we know what God is doing on the earth or in our situation? We do it by spending time with him. And every day, set aside some time to pray or just be with him, maybe just listening. He will lead you and he will speak to you. And the more you do it, the more you will learn to hear his voice in your spirit. And I would have loved to have been with Jesus when he went out in the morning to pray. And I've often let my mind wander and imagine what went on in, uh, in those prayer sessions. You see, I don't think Jesus' prayer sessions are any, were anything like our prayer sessions sometimes can be. I think he would have maybe visited his father in heaven face to face because he says... I only do what I see my father doing. Or maybe his spirit just went back to heaven. Or maybe, as it says in our passage from last week, and he's mentioned more than once in the Gospels, that angels came to minister to him. You know, and I often think alongside of of when Jesus took Peter, James and John up the mount and showed them, you know, the, the transfiguration. I am sure... Or I'd like to think that, that, you know, Jesus, that was just a normal everyday prayer session for Jesus. Because he only did what he saw the Father doing. And, he, you know, he needed that, that uh, relationship with his Father to stay fresh, uh, you know. And, uh, and I'm sure he would have prayed for his disciples, knowing how much following him would be life-changing for them. And they would never go back to their normal lives. He would have prayed for the crowds that followed him everywhere. He would have prayed for strength for himself to fulfil his destiny and no doubt a whole host of other things. Jesus is our model and we must see what he's doing. Prayer is not just going to God with a shopping list of things that you want him to do, although there is a place for that. It's called intercession and we do it in our prayer meeting. And when you first get to know God, he loves it when you come to him for things. Like a child is constantly going to their parents for help. Mom, can I have this? Dad, can I have that? Mom, can we do this? Mom, can I have that? Um, and and, it, and, and it's, like, it's like that when you first become, uh, you know, come to know God. But as you mature in him, it's not about just going to God with a list of things. It's about maybe listening to him. Find a place in your imagination to meet with Jesus. And sometimes, you know, we've thought, and maybe you still think this, our imagination, uh, you know, um, it's just our imagination. But our imagination is a thing from God where he can show us stuff. And so, as I say, we've dismissed our imagination as nothing. Oh, that's just me, you know. But I've been reading recently uh, a book about, you know, the the seer realm, and it. It tells you to start off with your imagination. So when I go to my secret place that you know I've all got, it's a cave, and I'm sitting and I'm listening to music and I just put myself in that cave and then all of a sudden, as I, as I listen, the Holy Spirit takes over and that's where I have my com- communion with, with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And that's what 
You know, that's what we can do. We just, you know, imagine, you know, somewhere, just put our focus on Jesus and just allow the Holy Spirit to then take, take us somewhere and speak to us through our imagination. Prayer is a vast subject and it takes most of our Christian journey to master, if we, you know, if we master it at all. But as you mature in God, you know, you, uh, you, know, you become more settled, maybe. And, uh, you know, we, we, were, we were doing prayer at Alpha this, this week. And, uh, you know, it's, very, it's, it's a very simple thing, as in prayer is us just talking to God. But it's so complex because there's so many types of prayer. There's intercession, there's soaking, there's, you know, and the, it, it's just such a vast subject. But it, at the end of the day, it's just about you spending time with God, with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus spent time alone with God before the day started, and so must we. Some of us, you know, we have very busy lives, and maybe we're out at work early, and then we're at work all day, and then we're tired when we come back. But it is so important. If we want to go on with our Christian life, prayer is so very important. So it doesn't have to be in the morning, if mornings are too, you know, if you're not a morning person, but please, please make sure that every day you spend some time with God. And so we move on to Jesus' miracles. And I just love reading about Jesus doing miracles. I love to read about how he cast demons out of people, how he healed the sick, how he raised the dead, how he astounded everyone around him. And the last part of verse 45 says, Jesus' growing fame prevented him from entering the villages openly, which forced him to remain in isolated places. Even so, a steady stream of people flocked to him from everywhere. Because Jesus showed them something so different from their normal, humdrum, everyday lives. He was exciting. He taught them things that they had never heard before. This was completely new teaching. He taught them how to live right with God, how to obey God with all of their heart, rather than sticking to and add the outward laws of Leviticus. He was addictive, but he was not toxic. I learned that phrase off Gary last week, and I thought how brilliant it was, because we can have all sorts of addictions which are really, really toxic, you know, alcohol, shopping, uh, you know, you name it. Addictions are normally very toxic. But Jesus was addictive, but he wasn't toxic. And the more you get to know Jesus, the more you want to know Jesus, you know, the more that you read his word and you see the connections and more, the more that God speaks to you through his word, it, is, it becomes so addictive. But it is, it's, not, it's not toxic. I love that phrase. I'm going I'm to use that more often in conversation. Um, because we have Jesus living within us, we can show people a different way to live, a right way to live, a way of hope when there seems no hope. I love that, that phrase in the Passion Translation where it says, we are in union with the Anointed One. And when you're in union with somebody, it's just, you know, you go everywhere. Not that me and Chris, I mean, we're married, but we don't go everywhere together. But with, when we're in union with Jesus, we carry him wherever we go. And it becomes the fire within us, hence the name, carry the fire. And, um, you know, people are so downward looking in in you know and they, they're just very can't see you know can't see anything around them and this morning 
And I don't know if Gary and Sue saw it or, you know, um, or everybody, everybody may have seen it. There was a beautiful rainbow over Womburn this morning. It was absolutely gorgeous. And, and I looked out of Jamie's window and it was huge. It covered the whole sky. And I was looking at this in amazement. And then I saw a runner over the road just running and just didn't see the, this, this rainbow. And I just thought, isn't that just how society is, that there's all this beauty around them and yet they're just running, looking down and not seeing the love of God because rainbows in the Bible represent the love of God. And uh, again, 1 John 4, 16 to 17 says, we have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love he has for us. God is love. I just think that's, you know, that's coincidence that It was a rainbow, and then we read about God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God, and God lives through them. By living in God, love has brought to its full expression in us so that we may fiercely face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. So what is Jesus now? He is pure and he is holy, he is seated in heaven, and he is glorified. And so are we. God sees us as pure and holy and righteous. We are citizens citizens of heaven. We are seated in heavenly places, which is said, it says in Philippians. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so we must take the love of God out into this world. I was reading Hebrews this week and reading in the commentary and there was this phrase, sharing the life of heaven. And I thought how wonderful that was. We are sharing the light, the life of heaven. And this morning, just, it was actually just before the, the Chris told me there was a rainbow, I looked out of the window and it was, a, it was a pink sky. And they just, I looked again and there was this, this all of it was, was um, had this golden glow I just had to go and have a look at what was causing this golden glow. And it, it, it was just the way that the sun was. And I just thought, this is how, how we live all the time. This golden glow of heaven. We share in the life of heaven. And then, as I say, this ro- rainbow means that we are living in God's love all the time. And then after I went and had a look at the rainbow, I, went, I got back into bed. And I looked out of the window again. And it was raining. And it was refreshing rain. And I just thought... That's the refreshing rain of God. And then the wind started blowing and it was the wind of the Holy Spirit is always blowing. And so in, in just in that little thing this morning, you know, that little time where there was a golden glow, it was just this confirmation. We share the life of heaven. You know, the rainbow, we live in God's love. You know, the rain, we always can get refreshment in him. And the wind represents the wind of the Holy Spirit that he's always always blowing and so we've got so much to thank God for if we can just keep that in our minds um, so we go with him into the world and he works through us and oh for the day when we see each other healing the sick casting out demons and doing the greater things that he said that we would do and it's coming the more we you know even in the last few weeks we've had so much of a more of a presence of the of the Holy Spirit in our meetings So it's coming. We've just got to stick with it. The revival is coming. Are we ready? Are we excited? Are we hungry to know more about Jesus? And more importantly, to know him so much more. 
And verse 17 says, by living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fiercely face the day of judgment. And really interestingly, those, you know, those words, fiercely face the day of judgment, really, when I was studying this, jumped out at me. And I've been in, in church for many, many, many years. And I think I can count on the fingers of probably one hand the, the amount of times that I have heard the day of judgment being preached on. Because we don't like talking about the judgment day. But the Bible says there will be one. And I think it's in the not too distant future. I was astounded on Tuesday when I heard an announcement from Rishi, from Rishi, Rishi Sunak about CBDCs, Central Bank Digital Currencies. In other words, one global currency. And uh, you can find it on, on YouTube or on uh, the government website. The G7 countries are looking into it and how it could work. There it is. Look, Bitcoin. Rishi Sunak backs plan to introduce digital currency. Well, let me tell you, they will find a way. And before our very eyes, like it or not, we are heading to the one world government the Bible predicts. You know, if you look around at the news uh, and you know what the Bible pro prophecy says about the, the very end of the end times and the revealing of the Antichrist, it, it scare, well, it doesn't scare me, but I just, I just look and I just think this is not very far away. You know, CBDCs, you know, the mark of the beast will be connected to a digital currency. Uh, you know, if you read anything about AI, this is how it's all going to come. So, you know, the very fact that, uh, you know, it's beginning, you know, they're looking into this global currency, central bank digital currencies. You know, it's, um, it, it's well on its way. Which is why it is so important to preach the truth, to preach the gospel, the glorious gospel of the kingdom while there is still time. And we cannot deny that the world has changed and it's not going back. We thought it would. We thought when Boris announced our lockdown in March 2020, he said oh, it would be just three weeks. And two years later, almost, we're still in it. Um, and the world has changed and it's not going back. And we cannot just stick our head in the sand and pretend it isn't happening because it is. Do your own research. Uh, you know about it the mainstream media is not telling you half is only telling you half the story and some of the stuff that comes out of there is, is just not the truth and if you want to talk to me about after you know i'll i'll, I'll give you some stuff to, to to look at you see this is the church's assignment and god's purposes in this season for those of us who are willing to get involved you know it is very very close um and uh, and we just need to be aware we need to be we need to be prophetically aware. We need to be watchmen because that's what, uh, you know, I, I feel that I am called and this church is or this ministry is called to be a watchman. And so I am constantly, you know, watching the news and watching other, other prophetic ministries to what is going on. And, and it makes me want to preach the gospel so much more. The gospel has got to be front and centre. And so Mark 16 uh, 14 to 18 says later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned 
And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. This is what Jesus was saying. And I believe that you know unbelief and hardness of heart will delay stuff for us. If we do not, if we have unbelief and if we harden our hearts, um, it will delay stuff and sometimes it, it can stop our destiny altogether. Hebrews 3, 16 to 19 says, The same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. And that is a really sobering thought. And some of us, you know, are hard of heart. We, you know, we've got unbelief. And unbelief, quite clearly, is a sin in Jesus' mind because he said on uh, the, the previous one, Jesus rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. And when the, the, um, uh, the people of Israel were in the desert, those who were wrapped in unbelief, they didn't make it into the promised land. They didn't get to fulfil the destiny that, had got, that God had got, to, uh, got for them. And it's the same today. If there is hardness in our hearts or unbelief in our hearts, we need to repent. And you know, uh, there's a story in, in the Bible, in the, in the Gospels, where a man... Um, falls before Jesus and says help me to believe help me in my unbelief so even if you have unbelief and a hardness of heart there's no need to worry because just give it to Jesus and say I'm really finding it hard to to believe uh, you know to believe in stuff and I'm really my heart is really hard please help me so all is not lost if you are unbelieving and you've got the hardness of your heart as, as has crept in just give it to Jesus because he will take it and he will um, you know he will help you with it it's time to trust God more than we've ever trusted him you know times are really hard and times you know as I said it's escalating all you know towards the the end of the the end of the age it's time to believe him and believe his word because his word never changes it is as true today as it was you know, when it was written. And sometimes it's, you know, we have to do it in blind faith. We have to take steps of faith. And it's, you know, like in, in this, this thing, well, it was, it was last week, I did, how can we have faith? There was a, there was a, uh, this guy jumped off a cliff with a, you know, with a parachute. But it was, it, the parachute wasn't open until he jumped off the cliff, we all know. And so sometimes we have to just jump off a cliff of unbelief, uh, or of faith, sorry, um, until we do, you know, until, until it becomes our reality. Sometimes we have to just do it in blind faith. Jesus worked in power. He was a worker of miracles. He was a teacher of truth and people followed him. One last verse. John fourteen twelve. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to the Father. And this is, you know, for some people, it's a, it's a hard verse to believe. We don't even do the, the miracles that Jesus did, not, you know, um, never mind the greater things. Um, 
But we have to continue to take a step of faith. We have to continue to believe until we see that, you know, they say seeing is believing. But what about the other way around? Believing is seeing. Be bold and have courage and have faith. And I want us to do something this morning. I want us to pray for each other, believing that our needs will be met, that if, you know, we will be healed if we're sick. And, uh, you know, if there's any problems that we've got, I just want us to pray for each other for the, in the next few minutes. Because I think if we can't do it in this safe environment, we, when we all know each other, we all, you know, are fairly trusting of each other. If we can't do it for each other, then how can we do it out there? You know, we need to, 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 to just give uh, God the opportunity to, to work. So let's do that. Let's step out in faith right now and just pray for each other. Just go into twos or threes and just pray for each other's needs and believe that God will do what he says he will do. Okay. Thank you.